Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio. This is episode 231. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. According to the Global Cancer Observatory, breast cancer is the most commonly occurring cancer in women and the second most common cancer overall. In 2018, last year, it's estimated that there were over 2 million new cases of breast cancer worldwide. And the country with the highest rate of breast cancer, Corey, is... Well, we've already ascertained that it's not North America, anywhere in North America. Where, where is it? It's Belgium. You have got to be kidding followed me. Followed by Luxembourg, then the Netherlands, and France. I'm shocked. That really surprises it's me. It's got to be something about that area, area of yeah. Northern Europe. Interesting. Uh, the UK ranks 8th, while the US is 22nd, and Canada is 23rd. And joining us today to talk about her breast cancer is Gail from Alberta, Canada. Gail does not want her last name used, so we respect that, and we'll call her Gail. Gail, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, Gail, you felt a lump in your breast in November of 2014. Take us through what transpired after that. Sure. So, I mean, I've always, since I was 40, I've had mammograms every year. So um, usually on my birthday, which is in November. So I had had a mammogram the year before. Um, when I felt a lump, I was a little bit surprised. And um, I felt it because I, I did have some, some aching pain in that right breast. Um, so I did phone and book my annual mammogram. Um, in the meantime, we were doing a, a family trip for a destination wedding. So when I got back from the wedding, I went in for the mammogram. Um, immediately they took me to another room and did an ultrasound, which raised alarms. And that was a Wednesday. And then they asked me to go for a biopsy on Friday. So I knew something was up. Um, I went for the biopsy on the Friday. Um, lovely lady that, that did the biopsy. Um, looking back now, some of the questions that she asked me, um, you know, she was asking me about my family and my kids and everything else. And, and I thought it was just being pleasant, but I, I think there was some concern there. Um, she suggested that I contact my family uh, GP right away um, because the results would be in, in in two to three days and make an appointment. Um, I called my GP and they said, you know what, we'll call you. No news is good news. So don't worry about it. Uh, beginning of December, I had my regular annual scheduled. Um, so for two weeks, I didn't hear anything from them. So I thought, okay, all's good. Uh, went in for my um, annual um, with the GP on December 2nd. Um, asked her about the results and she had a shocked look on her face. She never even, never even saw them. So it fell yeah. through the cracks somewhere. And so that's the day that I found out that um, it did come back as breast cancer. Um, you know, if I hadn't had that annual... I'm not sure what would have happened because I just assumed that the no news. No news. news. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I had, uh, you know, that was December 2nd. Um, she confirmed that I had um, actually three tumors, the largest one being four and a half centimeters. 
um, and that I was um, ER positive, estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and HER2 negative. So in other words, for people who may not be aware of this, this is hormone-driven breast cancer. Right, yeah. So she got me in uh, fairly quickly. Um, December 10th, I went in, I saw the surgeon. Um, and he had said that he felt that the tumors were too large and I needed to go to our um, local cancer clinic and likely start chemo first. To okay, so too, too large to, to, for the, him to be able to proceed with surgery? Is that what he was saying? Yeah. He was concerned about getting clear margins. That's the that's the goal of surgery is is making sure to get clear margins. Um, I'm in small breasted. And the tumors were very large, and so yeah, he he determined that um, I needed to see the oncologist first. Um, so that was fine. I went December twenty third and met with the oncologist. And throughout this process, I was super thankful that I felt like I was getting moved through the system really quickly. So seeing the oncologist December 23rd uh, had chemo the very next day and was super thankful about that because it's so fear-based. Um, you know, your mind is racing and, and they really, you know, they really um, use that, whether it's intentional or not. Um, so yeah, I had my first chemo treatment on Christmas Eve in 2014. Merry Christmas. Right, yeah. So um, they actually put me through eight rounds of chemo. And I talk to a lot of women now that have breast cancer. I have never heard of anyone having eight rounds of chemo. Uh, six is the max. And in fact, the oncologist said now they don't even think about putting anybody through eight rounds. Wow. Gail, what yeah. was your state of mind when you found out you had breast cancer? Uh, pure panic. Um, mainly because of the kids. You know, I had two school-aged children at the time, two teenagers. Um, I was not with their dad, even though we have a great relationship. Uh, but I, I'm their rock. I'm, you know, so I was pure panic for the kids more than anything. And uh, just wanting to, to get, get started on the treatment. I did re do some research on how I could support myself through the chemo. So I did start juicing. Um, and I, my OCD took it maybe a bit too far. I went off all coffee, all fruit, all sugar. Um, I mean, it was a crazy diet um, that I went on. So, um, but it did. I did go through the eight rounds of chemo in not too bad a shape. By the eighth one, I was done. Like that was it. I I could um, really feel my body was in distress. After the first round. Um, because I was on a chemo called FEPD, which is extremely hard on the system, as is all chemo, but that's a very tough one. My white blood cell count dropped so badly that I couldn't get my second round as scheduled. I had to wait a week for the count to come up. And after that, I had to take um, a shot after each chemo called Nulasta, uh, which basically boosts your white blood cells. Um, but yeah, they knocked me down hard. Gail, I'm wondering, uh, you had eight rounds. They normally give six. Um, do you think you could have, if they had to give you more chemo, could you have taken it? Um, do you mean if I... Yeah, after the, after the eight, I'm sorry, after the eight rounds, uh, if they said, well, we, we've got to do this again. 
Would you? I don't know. I don't think I, I could have at that time for sure. Um, even the last one, they had to knock it down to 75%. Um, I didn't have any feeling in my toes, in my fingers. All my fingernails died and were falling off. Uh, peripheral neuropathy and that sort of oh, thing. It was it was crazy. So even and I asked them because the lumps almost virtually disappeared, and they said to me, "This is the best." Um, um, I don't know, reaction, I guess, to chemo that we've ever seen because the lumps virtually, um, you couldn't feel them anymore. And so I asked them, you know, can I just do six? Because I, I'm, this is starting to get really hard. And they said, no, nope, no, nope, we got to stick to plan and you have to do the eight. So what happened after your eight rounds of chemo? So after the eight rounds of chemo, so I was finished in June of 2015. Um, then I had a full mastectomy in July, actually July 10th of 2015, um, and was given a month to recoup. And then I started on, I had 20 rounds of radiation. The pathology report came back um, after the surgery that they did have clear margins and that there was no lymph node involvement, but the chemo basically blasted those tumors uh, into pieces and there was still probably, you know, between 18 to 20 tiny, tiny tumors within the breast tissue that was removed. Um, but they were pretty optimistic because of the clear margins. How did you react to radiation? You know, again, I, I really looked after myself during this process, really supported my body. Um, I thought that I was doing really, really well. Of course I was getting, you know, red and burnt, but the, you know, beautiful thing about radiation and I'm being sarcastic is once you're done it takes up to two weeks before it actually finishes yeah. the damage so you know after I was done two weeks later I had open sores um yeah I was a mess um you said too that after that when they biopsied you this time you were ER positive but PR negative and her too I was. yeah you bet okay so so the thing that had changed was you were no longer PR positive that's right yeah yeah so yeah, I finished that all up in, um, I guess, mid-September 2015. I, I took another three, four, I, I didn't work during this time. Uh, great employer that really supported me. I took another three months off just to, um, just to build myself back up and was super healthy. At the same time, when I started radiation, they also put me on tamoxifen. Um, so that, uh, that caused me a little bit of grief. Yeah, it's essentially a form of oral chemo. Right. Yeah. And so it caused a lot of joint pain. When I was diagnosed, I was 48 years old and on tamoxifen, I literally felt like I was in my eighties. Um, I said to my husband, like, if this is how I need to live, like, and, and I was super healthy, but still feeling those side effects of tamoxifen, mm -hmm. um, very bad joint pain. Um, so yeah, it's, but I, I took it because I thought, you know, that's what I needed to make sure that it didn't come back. So when did, uh, when did cannabis uh, enter the picture and how did cannabis enter the picture? So interestingly enough, when I was back at work in the summer of 2016, I ran into an old acquaintance of mine that I hadn't seen him in quite a few years. And he had told me that um, he had two years prior had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and had gone through a year's worth of conventional treatment, um, radiation chemo surgery, um, and that it didn't work. And they had given him three months to live. Um, and he f stumbled across um, Rick Simpson's Run for the Cure video. 
and he watched that and he started on high THC and um, he cured his brain tumor on his own. Um, so I thought of, you know, I had that conversation with him and I thought, I'm just going to tuck that little piece of information away, not thinking that I would use it for myself, but maybe, you know, if a family member or somebody, right. Uh, the interesting thing with him too, is he never changed his lifestyle. And to this day, so that's been five, you know, five years ago. Um, he doesn't lead a healthy lifestyle, which I wouldn't, you know, suggest that, but it worked for him. Right. So I kind of touched that little piece of information away and um, kept it in the back of my mind in, until I had experienced my reoccurrence uh, last year. Okay, so it reoccurred last year, and then what? So last year, um, I, you know, the, the funny thing about changing your lifestyle and being super healthy is then you start to become, or I did, I started to become a bit complacent, and I started to go back to my old lifestyle. Um, I've never smoked, never been overweight, um, but I've always, you know, I had a, had a poor diet before and always had stress. So um, they took me off of tamoxifen and put me on a different, because they decided I was menopausal, put me on a, an aroma stay inhibitor, I think they're called. Um, so last summer in June, I went to my GP just for my regular checkup. And there was a, a tiny spot on my chest wall where I had my mastectomy that was swollen. But I had done some heavy lifting, so I thought maybe I'd just pull the muscle. And she said, you know, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about here, but I'm going to send you for an ultrasound just in case. So I went for my ultrasound, and then, of course, they said the same thing. Ah, just looks like scar tissue, but we're just going to send you for a biopsy just in case. Went for the biopsy the end of June last year, and the doctor said to me, I'm positive, his words, you should never have said this, I'm positive this is just scar tissue, you'll be fine. So I went, okay, that's great. Um, July 3rd of last year, I got a call from the family doctor to come in and see her, and she said, yeah, the, the breast cancer returned in the scar tissue underneath the skin. Now, was this H, H, or H, HER2 negative, HER positive, and PR positive again then? Uh, it was ER positive, PR negative, HER2 negative. So it was okay. just positive. Yeah. yeah. So essentially hormone-driven breast cancer again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was the beginning of June. Of course, they got me in again pretty quickly for some bone scans and CT scans. And, and uh, you know, I had heard that on reoccurrences, sometimes, you know, it comes back with a vengeance and spreads and... So um, although I had gotten somewhat complacent with my lifestyle, I was still, you know, reasonably healthy. The scans came back um, that were, were clear that it was a local reoccurrence. So um, I, I believe that some of my healthy habits that I kept, you know, was, was part and parcel due to that. Um, so yeah, I, um, that was, so middle of July, I started on some IV vitamin C and I remembered what my friend told me about cannabis. So I watched the run for the cure video, uh, somehow stumbled on your podcast and I thought, you know what, I'm going to send Corey an email. I actually didn't expect to get anything back from you to be honest, Corey, because I, I know you're super busy and you get hundreds of these a week. Right. Uh, two, three days later when you emailed me back, I was just ecstatic. Um, so you helped me out 
um, and I started on cannabis oil the last week of July last year and still doing mistletoe and IV vitamin C at the time. When you started on cannabis oil, Gail, were you on high THC, high CBD, a ratio of THC, CBD? So the, the consultants that I worked with, uh, we talked about it. And I started my first 30 grams. I did a one-to-one THC CBD because um, we just felt that, you know, maybe hit it a little bit harder. Right. Uh, and, you sec- know, I just want to interject and make pe- sure people understand yeah. that that CBD portion of the treatment you were on was CBD derived from cannabis, not from hemp. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the second 30 grams I did, I did a three-to-one CBD to THC as you've mentioned several times on the podcast, there's, you know, hormone-driven breast cancer is, is a little bit crazy to try to try to do a read on. I just felt that um, just to be on the safe side, I'd go with the three to one, and right. that's what I to do now. How did you take it, Gail? So I, because I was going to the IV clinic <clears throat> quite often, and I had to be in my vehicle, and I had kids at home, and so on in the morning and afternoon, I did suppositories. And at night, I took the oil um, orally. What was your mental attitude the second time you were told your cancer had come back? Well, because I had met with my friend and he told me about the success he had with cannabis, he also shared um, that he shared his information with some friends. He had a friend who uh, cured himself of colon cancer, uh, another one that cured himself of skin cancer. Um, So... I was scared, but I felt confident that, um, you know, that this was the way to go. Mm -hmm. And um, I just felt like, um, and and I'm reasonably, I guess, spiritual, if you want to to call it that, but I just felt like the reoccurrence was a bit of a a kick in the butt from the universe saying, hey, you were on the right track, Uh, you got off that track, we're going to give you a little kick in the butt, Let's, let's get back on track. So... I was pretty confident and I got results really quickly, which um, just made me feel that much more confident. When did you first notice results? Well, so I started on the cannabis, I want to say say around the 25th, 26th of July last year. Um, of course, I wasn't getting up to that gram a day right at the beginning, but right. I was going pretty hard. I actually did get the 60 grams in me in about 75 days, so I was pretty committed. Um, so I started on that. Um, they took me in for surgery the first week of August. Um, when you have a mastectomy, they take so much that there's hardly anything left there to even take. But so they they did surgery and cut out that portion of where the cancer was uh, first week of August. So I'd been on oil for about 10 days at that time. When I went back in for my pathology report three weeks later, they said we didn't get it. We didn't get it all. And so, yeah, my faith started to waver a little bit there, but knowing that I had only been on it for 10 days, I thought, you know, you need to give it a chance, right? Right. Um, So they took me in for another surgery towards the end of August. Um, And at that time, I had been on cannabis oil for about five to six weeks, and I was up there because I I got up very quickly. I was really committed. Mm -hmm. When I went for my pathology reports in September, they're like, there's no cancer. There was nothing there. 
Well, the hair just stood up on my arms, and I remember the day that I got the call from you or, or message from you that you were clear, and uh, yep. that's quite amazing. It's quite, uh, for listeners, to overcome hormone-driven breast cancer is huge, really huge, and to do it so successfully and so quick was really, really good. Um, another FYI for people, the, C- the THC component of um, this oil that uh, Gail took was a six-strain oil, so different strains not just one. I think that plays a huge part because each plant has different levels of cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, etc. Um, I, I really feel that's part of your success right there, Gail. Absolutely. And so now the uh, THC that I use for my maintenance dose, a friend of mine had had a medical card for about 10 years for arthritis, so he was able to, to grow his own plants. And so what we did um, is we took... Um, product from all of his plants threw it all together made the oil right on uh, and i went and got it tested at a local um, lab and it came back we rushed the process a bit um so i think if we would have spent more time it would have had a higher percentage but it it tested out at 60 percent thc Mm -hmm. um, which i was okay with Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what i i use now and i i bought cbd oil through that's a bit tougher even the consultants i work with um worked with at the time um, she could only get me up to about 40% CBD. Um, so I'm not sure why it's tougher to get a higher percentage. And, and what I get now is hovering around the 30 to 40%. Well, 40, I, 40 actually is pretty high. Back in the day when they first start, they first started producing CBD, what was coined high CBD was 17 to 22%. So right. we've come a long way. Totally, yeah. Yeah. How much are you taking now, Gail? So I, I take quite a bit, um, but I... What kind of drives me crazy about people who say, you know, that this isn't working for me or that isn't working, instead of focusing on the amount of oil I take, I, I measure my dosages by strength. So mm-hmm, exactly. I, I take probably seven grams a month in order to get 4,000 milligrams of pure THC and CBD. Mm-hmm. So depending on, you know, what I can get my hands on and what the strength is, I, I, I change, um, you know, amounts that I take. I do take a CBD tincture morning and, after, morning and evening, and then I take my three-to-one oil at night. I always had terrible time sleeping my whole life. I get a solid eight hours sleep, and how healing is that in itself? Yeah, excellent. So when you're saying three-to-one, just clarify, that's THC to CBD? Uh, three to one CBD, CBD to THC. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We just want to be really clear on that for people. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I take probably more than what I need to, I don't know, but I just want to err on the side of caution. Caution. Oh, absolutely. Particularly with a, with a beast like this. Yeah. Especially with the reoccurrence. So uh, there's other thing I practice. I stopped doing the IV vitamin C because it just wasn't financially feasible. Um, in Alberta, it's very I'm not sure in BC. I, I still do mistletoe. I eat healthy um, and I take a few targeted supplements um, and I practice fasting. Fasting is, is a huge thing for me. How long do you fast? Well, I've, I'm getting myself up there. I'd, ideally, I'd like to, to have a 72-hour fast once a month. I find it a little bit difficult mentally, not um, physically. I've got myself up to 48 hours every two weeks um, and... But I heard 72 hours is ideally how you can virtually uh, recharge your whole immune system. 
Yeah, so. it, fa- fasting is fascinating because uh, throughout human history, fasting has been part of uh, everyday life for human yeah. beings. And if you fast, I believe it's over 14 hours. I mean, I stand to be corrected. Uh, It induces what's known as autophagy. And autophagy is where your body starts to clean up the cells of your body. Right. And I think in today, with today's lifestyle, and you see so much obesity and people who are overweight, they're constantly eating. So their body is constantly processing this food and it doesn't have a chance to repair itself. And that's what you need. You need a, you need an opportunity for your body to cleanse the cells of your body, and you're doing. There's it. a lot of studies out there that talks about how it. I mean, and in in reality, cancer, in my opinion, is a disease of the immune system. Your immune system just didn't pick it up and, and clear it out, and so anything that you can do to uh, support your immune system is so so important. And fasting is is huge for that. Just think, Gail. A year and a half ago, you knew virtually nothing of cannabis, and now you're an aficionado. Well, and it's interesting, I was saying to Corey earlier, the natural path that um, I was seeing for my IV vitamin C, uh, he pulled me aside uh, probably about a month ago and said, okay, what is going on? What is this? (laughs) The two, three hours that I would sit there getting vitamin C, anybody that I could possibly talk to about cannabis, I would tell them. Um, So, you know, I let him know uh, what's going on and, and, you know, I... I gave him Corey's information. Um, I'm a I'm a bit jaded, I guess, because there's a lot of funny stuff going on in the conventional medicine. That can also happen in the natural world too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm surprised that he surprised and disappointed that he didn't reach out because he said he has patients on a daily basis asking him for information, and he doesn't. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And I gave him the opportunity and the right person to contact, and he didn't. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. But, uh, you know, if you had not come upon cannabis in July of last year, what do you think, where would you be now? Well, so I, I really truly believe that um, I read a book called Biology of Belief, Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. And, and his thought, train of thought, and, and I truly believe it, is that 90 to 95% of, of disease is caused by stress, whether it's environmental, mental, physical, whatever. Um, and getting a cancer diagnosis and certainly a reoccurrence is the most stressful thing, in, you know, ever. So I just really believe that um, if I hadn't come across cannabis, well, first of all, the, the first surgery didn't get it all. I wouldn't have been confident that the second would have either. Um, there's not much left to take. Um, I think I'd just be on borrowed time, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, you've read uh, Bruce Lipton's book. You should also read books by Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar yeah, with Joe? I, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. As well. Uh, the mind-body connection is huge. I, I do practice meditation um, stress management is very important for me. Um, I also continue to do juicing and smoothings when I can, and essential oils is another thing that I, I practice as well. Mm. Are you familiar with Joe Dispenza, Corey? I think jo- so. Joe Dispenza was uh, a chiropractor who yes. was in a triathlon and was hit by a truck right. and ended up with um, being paralyzed. 
and he was in the hospital, and he knew that the if he said if the mind can make you sick, then the mind can, can make, make you healthy. And so what he did day after day after day is kind of recreate his spine, and I think he walked out of the hospital six weeks later, and now he yeah. teaches people all over the world. He was in Vancouver. Um, in February this year, and you go to one, yeah, go to one of his week-long uh, events, and there's just some amazing stories. Gail, it was fascinating to talk to you. Um, when you talk to other people, um, what is their response to the fact that you take cannabis? So. The response is mixed. Um, so when I was at the Ivy Clinic, I would, you know, talk to people about it. Um, some were very much against it. And and at first I was very defensive. And now I, I understand that they're all on their own journey and all I can do is give the information. Um, I give Corey's um, name and contact number out all the time. Uh, so some are very receptive. Um, some keep saying, well, there's no studies, which drives me crazy because there's lots of studies. Um, so a real mixed bag. Um, I met a fellow at the IV clinic that was going through the chemo. He had um, esophagus cancer. Um, and I could see him going downhill all the time. And he was taking vitamin C. And so he decided to start on the cannabis. The next time I saw him a month later, he looked like a different person. His wife said one tumor had disappeared and the other one was down to about half. Awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, um, you can't take that. You can't take that negative energy on if, if somebody's not willing to be open. No. And learn that the hard way. Yeah, it's very true. Gail, uh, is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion about your fantastic story? Uh, no, I just really appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. When I came upon the podcast last year, I visualized myself getting better and one day me being one of the success stories on the podcast. So I just want to say thank you for giving me that opportunity. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, here you are. Yeah. I know. Yeah, wow. it's so cool. Yeah, it's wonderful. So you don't want your last name used, so we won't use your last name. And Yeah, uh, and I just want to, you know, I just want to say to to anybody out there that's listening that um, if you ask any oncologist if they would take chemo, the, the lion's share of them will, will say no. Yeah. I would never sway anybody one way or the other because to me your decision which way to go is between you and and, you know, your God, but uh, give it a, a try. I was one of those parents that was at the D.A.R.E. program, you know, waving the flag, it was totally against cannabis. And uh, here I am, it's, you know, saved my life, right? Gail, here we are together. You and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Corey, Corey can tell you about my knowledge of cannabis when I first interviewed her in commercial radio. Yeah. It was zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. No, it was, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Gail, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, guys. And I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You thanks, too. Gail. You were awesome. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye now. Bye. bye. And that's another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Um, Corey, I just want to say that Gail is, was fantastic. It's a great story, and it's great that we at Cannabis Health Radio helped her on her journey. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really neat. Really, really neat. And thanks to Ron Zarr, who is with Rowan Sound. Uh, he's contributed his studio so we can bring these podcasts to you. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, 
CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.